Are you walking a hard but beautiful journey? Are you sitting in a space that you never thought you'd be? Have you experienced infertility, a miscarriage, adoption? Or are you parenting kids with a behavioral disability? Have these struggles put unbearable strains on your relationships? Or have you struggled with your mental health? I have experienced all of this. My husband and I struggled with infertility and fought for our three beautiful children, our miracles. We went through the struggles, the pain, and the financial burden of IVF in order to have these incredible children. And that journey was so freaking hard. We felt like failures and we felt alone in our struggle. And now all three of our children have been diagnosed with ADHD, ODD, and anxiety disorders. And if possible, that has been even more challenging. Again, we have felt alone, confused, like we were bad parents, like we were being judged at every turn. It has tested our marriage. It has broke me many times to the point of two complete mental breakdowns. So if you are experiencing this, please know you are not alone. That's why I've created this safe space for you so that we can together find the education, resources, support, mentorship, inspiration, and more that we need to grow on this hard yet beautiful journey. Because at the end of it all, I wouldn't trade a second of what I went through because these children, our marriage, our family, and my mental health is worth fighting for. I'm also here to remind you that telling your story is part of the journey. Someone in your life, someone in the world needs to hear it, and I will be encouraging you along the way to tell your story. I'm Tiffany Vaughn. I'm so grateful you're here. It's time to walk your own hard, beautiful journey. Hey. Welcome back to Hard Beautiful Journey, episode number three. Today, I'm coming to you from a parking lot in Regina, Saskatchewan, in our vehicle. And I'm not going to lie, there's some pretty suspicious activity going around this parking lot. This one particular vehicle keeps circling and it's making me a little nervous, but whatever. It's the quietest place I could find in the area, so I'm just going to go with it. So, thanks. Alright, so let's start this episode with another wonderful review from Apple Podcasts. And this one comes from Fizzlebug, and it says... It's a five-star. Whoa, thank you. It says, Fantastic listening. Relatable and real for anyone who has struggled with these same things, or for any parents who found having children challenging poignant, raw, funny, and therapeutic. Looking forward to more. Thank you, Fizzlebug. That is awesome, and I really appreciate you taking the time to rate my podcast and to leave a review. So, episode two left off with me picking up our new live-in nanny at the airport, and her name is Digna. Digna came to us from Hong Kong, where she was a live-in nanny for another family. And she's from the Philippines and had left her own children back in the Philippines with her mom. 
and her husband Larry was working over in Hong Kong as well. Their long-term goal was for Digna to work in Canada for two years, and then she would be able to apply for them all to come over to Canada to live permanently. We are still amazed at what an unbelievable sacrifice their whole family made in order for this dream to come true. And it just amazes us how much she sacrificed in order to give her family a chance at living in our beautiful, beautiful country. Digna fit in immediately with our family. Day one, she just knew what to do and didn't need any instructions from us. The company I was working for had closed its doors right before I had the boys. So when Digna arrived, it was time to start looking for a new job. I was ready to start the job hunt as soon as I was sure that she was okay with everything and comfortable. And I did find one pretty quickly, but it was in Okotoks, which was about a 40 minute drive from where we were living. And holy crap, it sucked so bad. The, oh, so bad. The company did not advertise the qualifications for the role properly. And I was doing very, very junior work and it was oh, awful. It was not stimulating and so boring. And all I kept thinking was, why am I here? Like, why am I not at home with my kids and spending time with them instead of driving 40 minutes to do this brainless work? And yeah, it was not, it was not good. So I normally don't quit jobs that quickly, but I had to get out of there. So within three weeks, I was gone and I had found another one for another company in the same area. But this time, it sucked, but for a different reason. The accounting records for this company were an absolute disaster. I have never, ever seen anything like it. And I hope to never experience that again. I started this job in September 2014, about three months after Digna arrived. And looking back, it actually makes me upset sometimes when I think about how much time I missed with my kids trying to help this company. Because we had Digna with us, it did make it a lot easier to make the excuse that I could work extra hours and put in, you know, more time at night and just let Digna earn the money in order to bring her family here. But I did miss so much time with my kids and they were just so little, so it wasn't good. It got so bad at this company that I remember driving home many evenings and actually having full-on conversations with myself about how ridiculous some of the things were at this place. And you know, you know you're on the verge of going batshit crazy when you're yelling at the empty air in your car. This was also right around the time of the oil and gas industry collapse in Alberta. And I was working for an oil and gas services company. So yeah, things were not looking good. I was trying to get this company through an external audit so that they could get more capital investors. 
and that meant I had to redo their entire accounting records in less than six months. And for sure, that was the beginning of some very, very difficult months. I need to back up a bit here and also say that when I started my first job in Okotoks, I fell in love with the area and started talking to James about possibly moving in that general area now that I was working there because it was pretty long commute and the area was just so beautiful. So we started looking soon after Digna joined our family and we did get pretty close to buying one house but it didn't end up working out. And then the economy started collapsing even more and I asked James, maybe we should just put the idea of moving on hold for a while. Let's just hold off. But little did I know that he was still very active in the real estate websites. One day he emails me a listing for a house in Turner Valley. And <laughs> I honestly had no idea where this Turner Valley place was. I thought he was nuts. So I humored him and agreed to go see this house one weekend. And if anything, it would be a nice family drive and then we can go for ice cream or something. Well, if you have ever been to the Black Diamond and Turner Valley area of Alberta, Canada, you will know what I mean when I say the drive around the last bend into Black Diamond took my breath away. Beautiful Rocky Mountains were staring back at me and I fell in love. And then <laughs> the realtor opened the door to the house and I looked at James and I said, you're a jerk. You see, it was a beautiful home with an amazing view and we were in love instantly with the house as well. But I also knew the financial situation of the company that I was working for and my job was not secure. Remember, I was the corporate controller, so I knew really how insecure my position was. So we shouldn't have been buying and selling homes at that time. Like, not at all. We did talk about it a lot um, and finally decided to put an offer on the house, but it would be conditional on the sale of our house. And remember, the economy and market was not great, so we didn't really even think it would actually happen. The day the for sale sign went up on our lawn, I was shitting bricks. We were at the airport in Calgary getting ready to get on a flight to Hawaii and our realtor texted us and said that he was waiting for an offer to come in on our house. What? Holy smokes. We were staying back from getting onto the plane as long as possible so that we could see if he'd call before we got on this seven hour flight. I think the flight attendants were getting ticked at us, but seriously, this is huge. Like, we need to know before we get on this seven-hour flight. And yes, he did phone us at the very last moment and gave us the offer and the terms and to think about it while we were on the flight. And the price wasn't an issue. It was um, pretty good and we were fine with it. But one of the terms was a 40-day possession. And... Here's why that was a big problem. This was April, and that would mean taking Avery out of her school at the end of May, so one month in a new school. But the biggest issue is I was having major surgery on May 1st. 
I was scheduled for a hysterectomy and wouldn't be able to lift or help move at all. So we made a deal, James and I, that if we did this, we would have to hire packers and movers. So yeah, it was a tough decision. We had lived in Langdon for about 13 years and we really loved our home and our friends. And Avery really loved her best friend Kylie and her school. But when we landed in Hawaii, we knew what our decision was, so we called Carlin and said we would accept their offer. When we returned home from Hawaii, the craziness began. I was still dealing with auditors to get the audit completed before I was ready to leave um, for medical leave for my hysterectomy. And I did get it done, and it was a huge, huge accomplishment. But it took its toll on my mental and physical health. And I started experiencing the worst migraines I have ever had in my life. And it was a week before my surgery, and my doctor recommended that I not take any pain medicine for at least a week before my surgery, so I couldn't even take anything for my migraine. On the morning of May 1st, James drove me to the hospital, and I still, still remember saying to him that I was so looking forward to being put under so I didn't have to feel my migraine anymore. You know it's bad when the only thing that would help is general anesthetic. I could not wait. Now, if there is a doctor or a nurse listening to this podcast episode, I'd really like an explanation on the use of those airbeds. What is up with those things? That was the worst bed to try and recover in, ever. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, these beds move under you at certain intervals and in different places. And I'm assuming it's to keep things flowing in your body, like your blood and stuff, while you recover. But it was hell on earth for me. And what ended up happening is in an effort to try and get more comfortable, I ended up putting myself in this crazy pretzel position and ended up getting a couple of pinched nerves in my upper back and my neck. And then my doc stops by and to check on me and he lets me know that, oh yeah, once again, um, during surgery, you lost half of your blood. Half of my blood. Alrighty then. And he told me that they had made the decision based on my age and other medical factors that they wouldn't give me a blood transfusion and they would let me naturally build up my blood supply again. So I left the hospital with half my blood, major nerve pain, and a very good supply of Oxycontin. But this is where things got very, very dark for me. And it's also where I found true compassion for others dealing with chronic pain. The nerve pain in my neck and upper back were so intense, I honestly didn't feel any of the pain from the actual hysterectomy. Nothing would alleviate this pain. Absolutely nothing. And when I say I tried everything I was able to, I tried everything. And because of the surgery, I also couldn't get a massage yet. So 
I did start using some of the Oxy and I really didn't want to, but I did. And at one point I was even taking two or three of them at once and it didn't even help. All it did was make me feel like I couldn't move, but I could still feel the pain. How nuts is that? One night I moved around to different areas of our house and I tried laying on every possible surface that I could to just see if it would help. And I remember going into Avery's room and I laid in her empty bed because she was laying with James at the time. And I remember thinking, I can't go on like this anymore. I can't do it. It was beyond painful. It was the first time that that thought crossed my mind, but it was very clear that it was an option and it stayed with me until the morning. I asked James to take me to the walk-in clinic to see if there was something else that could be done, and he did. And about two minutes into the drive, I experienced my first ever full-blown panic attack. And I know what set it off. I started thinking about what I was thinking about in the bed, about not going on, and the thought of leaving my kids and James and my family sent me spiraling. And that was intense and very, very scary. James's mom was in town and I asked her if she would take me to the hospital in Strathmore to see what they could do to help relieve some of this pain. And they put me in a room and hooked me up to an IV and gave me Valium. And that was nuts. It was nuts. I felt like I was floating above my body, but I could still feel all of the nerve pain. It was very much still there. And even in a drug-induced state, I knew it. I could feel it. And after a while, the docs came in and said that the only thing left to do was send me home with a fentanyl patch on my arm with the disclaimer that that is typically something they give to terminal patients to help control their pain. Well, I guess my mother-in-law was in communication with my mom this whole time, and I guess my mom told my brother that they had put this fentanyl patch on my arm. And I got a call from him immediately, and he told me, he said, I know, I know you're in a lot of pain right now, but I really need you to rip that patch off your arm right now. And he has experience battling opioid addiction, so I knew that I needed to take his advice very seriously, and that patch came off right away. The doctor in the hospital had also recommended trying physiotherapy. So when I got home, I booked an appointment for the next morning, and I found another one of my angels. Her name was Nicole, and she saved me. I'm not kidding when I say one session of physiotherapy gave me so much relief that I was finally able to sleep, and after four sessions, I ended up feeling pretty good. So good that I could finally feel the hysterectomy surgery, and that just felt like a piece of cake now. No problem. 
My mom had come up to help me with the recovery and get some things done around our house before the move. And the move was like a week away. And I was sitting in our recliner, um, recovering, and she walked over to me to tell me something. And right away she goes, uh, hmm, Tiffany, your face is drooping on one side. So, so I got her to take a picture of me to show me since I couldn't really move around. And yeah, sure enough, my face was drooping on one side. So we hopped in the car and went to the walk-in clinic and the doctor said, just turn right around and get back in your car and go to the emergency room. So we did. We went into Calgary and when we got there, the uh, admitting nurses did the standard stroke checks and determined that they thought I wasn't having one, so we proceeded to sit in the waiting area for three hours. When I was finally seen by a doctor, she brought in one of her colleagues and one said that it appeared to be Bell's palsy, but the other doc disagreed and thought it was an actual stroke. Um, okay, so which one is it? What is going on here? My mom took another picture to send to James and yep, my face was limp on one side. So the docs wanted to keep me overnight to do some more scans and see what the heck was going on. And that was the start of another three day stay in the hospital. I had many CT scans and many, many neurologists looking at me multiple times a day. And that's when I learned that women neurologists carry around a very fashionable bag with their tools to check various parts of your body. At one point, I had seven neurodocs and interns staring at me. And holy, talk about feeling like an animal in a zoo. You're sitting on this bed and they are all staring at your face. And it was a little uh, uncomfortable and weird. They did determine that it was Bell's palsy, which is a type of facial paralysis, but what was confusing them is that my mouth and cheek were drooping on one side and my eye was limp on the other side, which is not usual. The docs were thinking of doing a spinal tap as well, but thank God they decided against that and they wanted just to wait it out. There were many factors that they said likely contributed to all of this happening, but most likely it was the high stress of my current job in addition to the extreme stress my body had just been under, losing so much blood and the nerve damage and just the recovery process in general. It was very stressful on my body. I was finally released from the hospital and sent home to move to a new home and a new town in three days time. All I can say is thank goodness for my mom, James's mom, Digna, and the amazing packers that we hired. While I laid on the couch sleeping, the packers packed our entire house in one day. One day. If you can swing the cost and you plan on moving, Make this a priority in your next move because you won't regret it. It was phenomenal. On Friday, May 22nd, the moving truck pulled up and it was time to go. 
Saying goodbye to our neighbors was so incredibly hard. We had grown so close to them over the years and we were all pretty sad about it. And thankfully again, our parents and Digna were there to help us in the first couple of days since I literally couldn't lift anything, not even our kids. On Monday, I took Avery to Turner Valley School to finish off grade one and she was welcomed so warmly by Miss Irving and the rest of the school and we'll never forget that. It's just such an amazing school. On Tuesday, I went for a follow-up with my neurologist and he asked me to take another month off of work. He really did like the progress that I was making but thought that I would benefit from having at least one more month off to recover. So I went from his office to my work to give my boss the doctor's note. And my boss closed the door and proceeded to give me a layoff notice. I won't go into the details of what happened after that, but know that it took a very, very long time for me to come to a place of peace with this person, especially after all the hard work I did to get them audited statements, which they then used to get additional capital to continue on, and considering I was on a medical leave. But, like I said, I finally found peace, and it's because I realized that it was one of my angels that intervened. Remember that stubborn part of my personality? I don't like to give up, and I know for a fact that I would have died probably of a heart attack if I stayed there. The stress was unlike anything I had ever experienced before, and my angels knew that was the only way to get me out of there. About a month or so later, I did find another job and I'm still there today, so it did all work out for the best. Next up on episode four, I will catch you up to where we are today. And then on episode five, it is finally time to meet the man that has been with me on this crazy train and loves me despite it all. And up to this recording today, there have been no more hospital visits for me, so yay! I think I've had my share, so thank goodness. Finding gratitude in these trials was very hard while they were happening, and I'm not going to say that it was easy for me to do. But looking back now, I still feel it. I don't think gratitude has a time limit. Feel it and express it when you are ready. I am grateful for my brother calling to ask that I remove the fentanyl patch. It could have turned out much, much worse for me, for sure. I am grateful for my mom laying in the hospital room with me for three full days. She didn't leave my side. She braided my hair and took hilarious videos of me trying to apply lip balm <laughs> to my lips and they weren't cooperating. Remember, my face was drooping. I couldn't even like brush my teeth without water coming out of my mouth. Like it was hilarious. And I may post that video one day because it's priceless. I am grateful for our packers and movers. So worth the money. Please trust me on this one. I am grateful for our family being there to help us with the big move. We are still so appreciative. And last, I am grateful for my angels kicking me to the curb and handing me those layoff papers. 
because you really do know me so well. Hey there. Thank you so much again for being here and listening. It means the world to me. I know how busy life is and that you could be doing so much with your time. And the fact that you chose to spend your time listening to my podcast is so amazing to me. And I'm just so grateful. So thank you. If you like the show again and the content that I'm sharing, please be sure and subscribe and leave a written review because when you do that, it definitely gets out into the world more and that would mean the world to me. You can find me in many areas in the big wide web and I will have links to all of those places in my show notes. Again, I am so grateful for you and I'm always cheering you on and just please remember to always be kind. And until next time, stay well.